Sox. Go, 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 go. Let's go, 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 White Sox. Chicago is proud of you. This is White Sox Weekly. The Chicago baseball conversation on the new flagship home of the Sox. 720 WGN. 500, that's right, 34 and 34, the Chicago White Sox, this time last year, 19 under, 24 and 43, and sitting at 500 after taking the first two with the New York Yankees, welcome into White Sox Weekly, my name is Mark Carmen. we are live at Guaranteed Rate Field, where there is a Sox crawl going on right now, people are enjoying the ballpark, I can see. Lots of people out at the Goose Island Beer Company in right field, perhaps having a cocktail and some other things as they get ready for the ball game tonight. It is raining out here, a little light rain. I don't think, at least the rain that's going on right now, would have much of an impact. I would assume they play right through it, but hopefully uh, we'll have rain-free baseball tonight as the White Sox try to get back over 500. They're 500 for the first time since April the 5th when they were sitting at 3-3, three and three. and they're looking to go above 500 for the first time since April the 4th of last year, 2018, when they were sitting at 3-2. and two. And I remember that well, where I'm thinking, why not? Why couldn't this be a surprising year? And, of course, it, it didn't work out to be that way. But there is momentum building with the club right now. It's obvious for everyone to see. And the main reason is Lucas Giolito and Aloy Jimenez. But let's, uh, let's give credit to Lucas, who's been just dominant he won his eighth straight start last night his ninth decision in a row and uh yeah one run four hits six innings of work first 10 game winner in all of baseball he's 10 and one and uh, this is per stats in the game notes today he's the second major league baseball pitcher since 1920 since 1920 to win eight straight starts while allowing five or fewer hits in each one of them. The only other pitcher in the history of baseball since 1920 to do that. Yeah, it's a pretty good name. That would be Randy Johnson, who did it nine times uh, in 1999 and 2000 combined. Uh, his, he, he did start the ball game off, giving up a home run in the first inning, so the streak of 22 scoreless innings did come to an end last night. But, hey, uh, this is... Uh, this has been a run for Lucas Giolito that no one saw coming, let's be honest. I don't know if you did. I certainly didn't. Uh, we did last week on the show. We were taking nicknames for Lucas Giolito. We put together a little bit of a montage uh, for what you guys were calling in to uh, nickname Lucas. We'll play that at some point on the program. Aloy Jimenez is coming up in a little bit here. I sat down uh, with him yesterday before the ball game, and... Everybody, you know, who sees Eloy is, you can't help but be impressed by his demeanor, the smiles. I don't know if people saw him taking the microphone and interviewing our Chuck. Chuck Garfine does a great job at NBC Sports. He's interviewing him the other day. And just every time you see him on the field making a sliding catch, he kind of gets up with that sheepish smile. It's impossible not to like the guy, right? And now he's starting to perform this is uh like the way that people thought he would perform You're, this is uh, you know two three run homers and a bomb in kansas city a bomb earlier this week against the nationals 
and it's starting to come together. We'll hear we'll hear from him here coming up. But uh, you know, the last thing I said to him in the interview was like, "Go out and beat the New York Yankees tonight," and he just looks at me and said, "I will," and then he did. I mean, not by himself, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Pretty, pretty incredible uh, just to see him busting out right now, and that trade. With Dylan Cease hopefully coming along, uh, Dylan last night uh, having a little bit of trouble finding the strike zone, but uh, still hopefully on track to be up at the, with uh, the White Sox at some point here. Last night, four earned runs in five innings for Dylan Cease, who has now allowed four-plus earned runs in back-to-back outings for the first time in his career. So maybe a little tinkering needs to be done uh, with Dylan. But regardless, that, that the trade for Jose Quintana with the Cubs just looking absolutely phenomenal uh, for the Chicago White Sox. White Sox and Yankees coming up. The Yankees are 41-27. and 27. Uh, I will have your pregame show tonight. That's a little bit after 5.30. Uh, Andy Mazur is on the call tonight as Ed Farmer uh, is not doing the series this weekend. Or the Cubs series coming up uh, for personal reasons, but uh, so you'll have Andy and DJ on the call, and we'll have the pregame show at 5.30. But Eloy is coming up, so let's take a quick timeout, and we will bring in uh, the White Sox slugger. That is next on your home for the White Sox, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Two three-run homers last night for Eloy Jimenez. Wow. One of them coming off CC Sabathia. Six RBIs. That's the most by a Sox rookie since Jose Abreu all the way back April 25, 2014 uh, versus Tampa Bay. We're going to hear from Aloy in a second here. Hey, Sox fans, join us on Saturday, June 29th. That's a 3.12 p.m. first pitch. Wouldn't be 3.12 in the morning. 3.12 in the afternoon. As your White Sox take on the Twins, the first 10,000 fans ages 21 and over will get a White Sox. 312 hat that's presented by Goose Island Beer Company. Goose Island, Chicago's beer. You can purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesocks.com or calling 866 Sox Game. And also a reminder for Sox fans to join us when the Sox take on the Tigers. That's Wednesday, July 3rd, 1 10 p.m. The first 10, uh, first 20,000 fans will get a Jose Abreu Silver Slugger bobblehead. It's powered by Constellation, America's energy choice. You can purchase your tickets today by visiting whitesox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. So if you're watching the White Sox early in the week via the television, you would have seen Eloy Jimenez grab the microphone from Chuck Garfine and do an interview with Chuck and um, Yolmer Sanchez. Now, uh... I was kind of wondering when I sat down with Aloy if this is something that perhaps, you know, down the line as we start the conversation, would you like to segue from baseball player to TV guy someday with that charming personality? I don't think it's yet. One day maybe, but not yet. I think you had Chuck on the run the other day. Yes, he was fun. So let's talk about long, long, long home runs you got a big smile on your face. Which one felt better, Kansas City or, or back here? Here. He was first at home. It was awesome. Was that the farthest you've ever hit a baseball? In Kansas, yes. Like, in a season, no, regular season, yes. But I hit one in spin training. It was 492 or 490. Uh, that is my longest one. Even when you were younger? Yes. Even when I... It was... 
two years ago, the 4.90.92. Um, and this year, I have already two or three over the 450. Were, were you putting pressure on yourself to, to hit one at home? Were you even thinking about that? I was uh, the first um, first home stamps. Uh, after that, I say, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to let it happen. And if it's happened, um, it's happened. If I hit 40 on the road, next year is another year. But after that, after um, like I'm taking that pressure off of me, I say um, I'm gonna I don't I'm not gonna think about it. I just gonna enjoy my game and keep working hard. I mean, watching you play every day, it seems like you're just having a ton of fun. It I, it doesn't seem like you're feeling the pressure. Like, hey, I'm out here, I'm playing, and if it goes great, great, and if it doesn't, there's always tomorrow. Uh, yes. Um, first couple of days I was too much uh, I don't I don't enjoy the game like I, I always do but now I'm starting like just have fun like always and uh, keep working hard and uh, that's that's why I, now I have better games did the contract put more pressure on you uh, I don't say pressure it, it's just I honor my like my contract and I want to do good every single day like you get that big moment in time, and now you're in the big leagues. It's like, oh my God, I gotta prove to them that that I that I'm worth it. At uh, the first couple series, yes, I was like that, but now I'm just enjoy enjoy the game and uh, go play hard. So let's talk about how they're pitching you. All these off-speed pitches, and I mean, guys are talking about how you're getting more and more comfortable. Do you do you have a good sense of what's coming up there? I'm always looking for fastball. Um, but I'm good with recognize the breaking balls, and uh, I think now I'm starting to feel comfortable and take those pitches, the bottom in the zone, low in the zone, and uh, I think now that's why I get more fastballs. Who was kind of, if anyone, was kind of helping you along the way? Hey, just settle in. You're going to start to, you know, get more and more comfortable up there and, and learn your zone. Was I don't know if anybody was talking to you. Every single guy on the team say, hey, you're a good hitter. You don't need to do, do too much. You don't need to prove to anybody here. Just enjoy the game and uh, have fun. You, like, do what do like you always do as being Eloy. And now I'm, I'm like, kind of being Eloy. When did young Eloy sort of get an idea, you know what, I could do this baseball thing maybe be a professional someday uh at the age 14 um i say this, this might be gonna be good for me uh just baseball because before it was basketball and baseball but my i, I just thanks my my dad to help me uh show his baseball is was your dad happy with that decision I think so. But, but you, you, uh, what, if, what was number two? What did you enjoy playing? Maybe this, I guess, the second most. Basketball. Uh, that was my first sport. Like before, I enjoyed more than baseball. Uh, now it's more baseball and after basketball. We got a good jump shot. What do we got? Post game. What are we talking? Um, 
before it, it was a good jump shot and uh, I can dunk. And I, I still can dunk. Uh, but before it was around everything. But now, I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a favorite basketball player growing up? Kobe Bryant. That's not a bad choice right there. No, not at all. You know that Mike's better than him, though. I mean, Jordan's greater than, than Kobe. I, I watch Kobe play. I don't watch Jordan play. That's a good answer. You and Mitchell Trubisky, you were working out in Florida together. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? What, what, how'd you guys sort of build a little bit of a friendship? Uh, we are in the same agency. Um, and uh, we was um, in Bradenton. Uh, work out together and um, like the first time I talked to him I said this kid is amazing uh, he's really good uh, he's really humble and uh, he's working hard every single day are you guys gonna have a friendly competition is who's gonna be bigger in Chicago uh, I don't think so we can we can do great like both can do great uh, and be together, we have the biggest like athlete in Chicago. You know, you're big enough to be a tight end for the Bears. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. Baseball, baseball is better for me. I don't wanna, I don't wanna uh, say that because um, I'm gonna start like football now because it's risky play there and. Um, He's really nice. Do you are you the type that sets goals? Uh, I want to do this this year or this down the line. You're shaking your head no. Um, I always uh, have same goals every year, uh, and it is uh, be better than last year. That's always my goal. What What did you learn from the play in left field where you sprained your ankle? Like I've been working hard to find the wall first and before the jump and uh, I think that's the biggest thing in the left field yeah I I always wonder because you guys play so many games that you want to play hard but you also got to be smart and keep yourself on the field too and it's like a learning process yes uh, that's why I've been working early every single day um, because I don't want to I don't. I don't want that happen in game. I don't want to take like take time out of the field, uh, and I want to help the team win. Do you know your way around the city? What do we got? Uber going on? We got? Do you got a friend driving you? Uh, I have my my vehicle, but um, my dad and uh, one of bigger friend of the family uh, they driving for me. I'm available if you if you need. I, I I know some good spots. Like we can get some pasta, whatever you like. Have you, have you tried the pizza? Not yet. One day. You look great to see you. Congrats on your success. White Sox fans are loving watching you. Awesome to talk to you today. And uh, go beat the Yankees. Thank you very much, man. I will. That was yesterday before the game. Thank you very much. I will. And then he goes out and hits two three-run homers. Uh, you just gotta you gotta love Aloya Menes, right? What I, his answers are direct, they're honest. Uh, he's humble, all of it, and uh, yeah, he can play baseball uh, fairly well as well. He's coming in tonight, two forty-seven, eleven homers, 
25 RBIs. He's fifth in the White Sox lineup. The lineup looks like this tonight. Leori is leading off in center field. Then it's Tim Anderson, followed by Jose Abreu. Uh, Jose Abreu, by the way, just if you're not paying attention to the stats, he's leading the American League with 53 RBIs. He's also tied for the lead with with, uh, 35 extra base hits. Uh, uh, Jose Abreu coming in tonight, hitting 257, 16 homers, 53 RBIs. James McCann will DH tonight and bat fourth. Eloy, as I said, is batting fifth. Wellington Castillo catches and hits sixth. Jose Rondon back at third base once again. Uh, this is now four straight games where the White Sox will not have Yohan Moncada. The back injury is getting better, but not quite ready to get on the field. So Rondon will start at third base tonight. Yolmer is over at second. Yolmer's numbers have been coming up. And Ryan Cordell will play right field and bat ninth. Let's uh, come on back here and get you ready for a conversation with Darren Jackson after 410. And Evan Marshall has not allowed a run this season, pitching out of the bullpen for the Chicago White Sox. You may not know his story. He came up with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's a fourth-round draft pick out of Kansas State, and he had a lot of success his first season in the big leagues. Then didn't start out well in year two, ended up in the minors at AAA and was still in AAA in August when he took a line drive off his face, 105 miles an hour, coming at him. Saw the ball, but couldn't get his mitt up. Tried to get out of the way and uh, ended up with a massive concussion uh, in the hospital. All of it, uh, not, you know, uh, I was going to compare it sort of to like a Danny Farquhar situation is the seriousness uh, as both were fighting for their lives. Different circumstances. I mean, Farquhar wasn't hit by a baseball, but Evan Marshall was. Uh, we'll talk to Evan at 4.30 today. He's going to tell his story and uh, some great stuff from him. Super uh, super vulnerable, honest, and uh, just coming back from something like that, right, where you nearly are no longer on the earth, and now you got to go back and and do what you love, but also there's always that fear that you know some that line drive is going to be coming back at you again. I mean, there's there's no protection out there when you're on the mound. So Evan Marshall coming up uh, after 4:30 today. Quick timeout. News coming up. 7:20 WGN. Seven twenty WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox. Seven twenty WGN. Rain is coming down at Guaranteed Rate Field. Hopefully, we will have baseball tonight. Uh, as as Darren Jackson comes to sit down here and chat with me, I want to just read you something uh, from the New York Post. This is written by Ken Davidoff. The Yankees look old and tired. Remember when we used to say that all the time about this club? The great sell-off of 2016, which begat the Baby Bombers, made way for a new exciting era. And Friday night at Guaranteed Rate Field, as Ken Davidoff writes, worst ballpark name ever. Ken, I'm coming to find you. The upstart White Sox made the Yankees look like groggy old men once more. The final, 10-2. The Yankees' third straight loss, their eighth in 11 games. As the point of all of this is that uh, the New York Yankees are jealous of the Chicago White Sox. Darren Jackson, what do you think? <laughs> Maybe that person is. Uh, you know, when you're a first-place team and you've been bombing the ball and you've been kicking butt and taking names, and then the White Sox that have been a team under 500 basically all year long, they take a thump into you. 
You know, somebody's offended by that, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, is it not? I, I, it's, it's good to offend New York every now and then. I think that's, I mean, that feels like the world is kind of moving in the right direction. You know what's amazing about uh, the, the matchup right now with these Yankees is that's exactly what it is. It's a good matchup for some reason for the White Sox to face the pitching that they're featuring against us, and the opposite for them. We're pitching well against We're beating them. Simple as that. It's not like um, it's, it's a team that shows up and they say, oh, we should just beat them because they're no good. Well, no, we still have talent, and we're matching up against what you have to offer. So speaking of matching up with what you have to offer, Aloy Jimenez now is twice. It, it uh, had multiple home run games against the Yankees, did it in Yankee Stadium, did it last night, and he's clearly settling into how guys are going to pitch him and feeling more comfortable and perhaps laying off some pitches that he wasn't earlier in the year. This is a, matching up. When once this guy figures it out, he's going to be tough for anyone to match up with him. Am I am I missing anything here? No, because of what you just commented on. When he shows you good at bats, uh, taking pitches is a key. I always watch a guy on how he. When he, Jose Abreu is a good example, how is he taking pitches? Is he jumping out toward the ball, checking his swing, and then taking the pitch just off the corner, but look like he wanted to swing at it? That's a bad take. But if he's got the same pitch where he doesn't even flinch, he's just looking at it, he saw it the minute that left the pitcher's hand, that's a great take. Well, right now we're seeing Jimenez with better takes, which means his timing's there, he trusts his hands, knows he can catch it to the fastball, and he doesn't have to get going, cheating to try and catch up to somebody's fastball. He's not there right now. He's at a place where he's comfortable with his uh, trusting his hands. Darren Jackson with us here on White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. I know that all the days run together, but... How long have you been seeing that with Eloy? If you had to guess, where you're like, that's a good take. Oh, that's another good take. Like I've said that for I don't know. If you'd say it for two weeks, what would you say? Well, I've I've been saying it for one day. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, he hasn't found to me he hasn't found a real streak. Okay, because he has great games, but then I think he gets excited. He hits two home runs tonight. He might show up saying, "Okay, it's time to hit two more home runs and start jumping out toward the baseball." I don't think he's quite trained himself yet to be that patient, let the ball come to him. It's a difficult task for younger players, especially if they work the count into what they feel is a hitter's count, and then all of a sudden say, okay, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to go catch this fastball. Well, veteran pitchers in particular go, oh, this kid on 3-1, and one, he's looking for a fastball down the middle. I think I'll throw him a little slider down the way. He'll chase it. And then you get him to 3-2, and two, and now he's confused. What's he going to do now? You throw him another slider, he's thinking another fastball, he waves at it. So the veteran guys know how to just let the ball come to them and not be overly aggressive. He's not quite there yet. So I'm trying to think of guys who maybe figured that out at an early age. and I'm, I'm, think, I'm guessing that uh, you might have witnessed Frank Thomas figure that out maybe quicker than most, would you say? Or like, who, Has anyone come to mind where, wow, this is a seasoned veteran hitter and he's 24 years old? Well, you have to look at all the guys at uh, the Jim Tomies. Um, these guys that when they walk up to home plate, they already know from the first pitch that they see, maybe just a look in the eyes of the pitcher when they stare at him. Uh, okay, this guy's intimidated. Those are the guys that know to just be patient, no need to help him out and chase his pitches. And that's why they draw close to 100 walks a year and they hit 40-some home runs. Uh, because they know how to pick their moments and be aggressive, and then the other times just stand there and take their base. But it's a hard task for a guy that's a young guy because they always want to hit home runs when they have power. So Tommy and guys like that, yeah, they know it when they walk up there and just look out at the pitcher. So that's a thing. Like, you're coming up to the plate. I'm a veteran hitter. 
I'm staring you down on the mound. I am trying to impose my will that you have no business getting me out. Like, there's that mental game is going on. Absolutely. No question. It goes both ways. Yeah, I, right. Randy Johnson standing out there looking in and throws a fastball by you, and then you're staring at your feet. You know, he's, he knows he has you. You don't even want to look at him, make eye contact. That's a thing, yes. So, But I'll watch guys who will strike out, swing and a miss, not, and maybe they're minorly close to being on it, but you just struck out, you're headed to the bench, and they're staring back out at the pitcher as they're going to the dugout. Are they doing that to try to, like, when I get in there the next time, I'm going to get you? Is that the whole mindset? Or are these? I mean, is the game still going on at that point, the mental game between the hitter and the pitcher? Well, honestly, I don't think they're staring at the pitcher. I think they might be staring at the scoreboard behind the pitcher to see what just happened. They might be just staring off into space that direction. Not many guys, to be honest with you, that I know, played with, or saw that strike out, unless the guy's out there doing some kind of motion, jumping up and down, and you know, doing something uh, demonstrative toward them. Generally, a guy can look out the direction and don't even see the pitcher. I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, Greg Maddox and I were former teammates for years through the minor leagues, big leagues. And he pitched a game where I had uh, uh, finally figured in. I was locked in. I got a couple of hits against him. I was on first base, and Greg was staring at first base, and he's uh, he's look, looking at the direction of first base, and he's shaking his head. And I can kind of read his lips in here a little bit. He's kind of throwing some curse words my direction, and he's looking really serious. And I'm looking, I'm like going, wait a minute, is he is he talking to me right now? So um, his brother was my teammate, uh, Mike. Uh-huh. I said, I think your brother was out there cursing me after I got that hit. It was after the game. And he goes, no, he wouldn't do it. No. And after the game, I actually saw Greg. I go, what was that all about, man? What were you? Yeah, I didn't let this go because I was a little perturbed. And he goes, what? I went, well, you were looking over at me at first. He goes, no, 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 no. I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was mad about the pitch I made. I might have been looking in your direction, but it wasn't directed at you. So you, you felt like he's like, how's, how's, how's Jackson getting knocks off me? And you're sitting there like, hey, man. Uh, pretty much. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. um, that how can I give DJ a couple of hits, man? Because I've owned his, but he's never had a chance. Um, yes, and you know, look, that's that's the competitive edge amongst uh, you know competitors is you can't let that go. You can't just say, okay, I'm sorry. You got to say, oh, really? Okay, you and I, mano a mano, we're going to go. And that you have to always have to be uh, successful. See, I, 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 I just love the, the mental games that go on out there where you're, I am the big, tall, I don't know, monster, lion, whatever you want to say, do not mess with me. Uh, what, are you seeing that uh, from Lucas Giolito out there? Uh, absolutely. Um, but in the right way. Not, not as if in a way of staring at the hitter saying, get in there. You got no chance in a way because today the game's different. It's not all about intimidating the opponent with a stare. It's about staring into his catcher with confidence and making the pitches and executing and letting him know you don't have a chance because I'm executing. But I don't really see our guys uh, trying to intimidate an opponent by accidentally letting one go at 97 at the guy's chin. <laughs> you right, know? right. And, and if you're a Voight last night, you have every reason to go, wait a minute, what's going on, bro? Because you think after hitting a home run, there's a reason for that. Maybe there was, but either way, Giolito's not out there trying to overly intimidate guys, in my opinion. And so, you know, with Lucas, and I think everyone's watching, wow, this is incredible. Last year he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball, at least numbers-wise for sure, was the worst. And now, I mean, he's got to figure out if he's going to pitch the fourth inning in Cleveland or the fifth inning in Cleveland at the All-Star game, you know, where he's going to stay. 
And we're kind of, I mean, at least I am, is this going to continue game in and game out? I'm sure you're, you're kind of expecting the same thing. You know, is, can he, can he continue to do this? And he just is continuing to do this. So it's like, at this point, it's like, this is probably real. I mean, right? Well, yeah, I think as of last night, I, th- I think for me, it's no longer sitting there going, okay, is he going to do it again today? In, in a, in a way of curiosity, not that he can't do it because he's proven he can. But I, I'm to the point now where I, I, I believe this is who he is. Doesn't mean he's not going to go out there and have some isolated bad games, just be off some reason. Um, but, but this is who he is. And he's, I think what he has shown is it doesn't matter who you are in anything and anything in life, that if you're willing to figure out a new way about going about your business, something good can happen for you. You just got to be willing to make the change. And not many people are willing to change, especially if they're getting by with what they have. So you're, you're giving him a ton of credit for what he did in the offseason. And basically, I mean, he's talked about it. Whoever can possibly help me to get me from where I was then to what, what I want to be, he, was, he seemed open to it from Coop to his high school coach. I mean, he, he was taking in feedback and, and – processing whatever whatever seemed to work for him he was able to incorporate it that's not easy to do well you know you know i i read an article about how he's had his former high school pitching coach whatever was saying you need to try this try that and eventually said i'm open to trying stuff whatever so that tiny little influence and him listening and being willing to try something different different program a build up to what it's turned into I think that's phenomenal, and you can't you can't credit the guy more than he deserves to be credited and what he's accomplishing, and that he was willing at an early stage in his career, a young young pitcher, realizing what I'm doing is not good enough. I have to change. Usually, it takes some time for a, a guy who's stubborn. He's hit rock bottom completely in the middle of his career, where he goes, "I have no choice. I have to change." He's done it, I think, ahead of the game, and now he's got the chance to me. He should be holding clinics to young pitchers and players and say, if I can do it, you can do it, trust me, and get them to believe in that because it's not easily believed when you're willing to change that dramatically and have success. Because some guys, they might physically not be able to do what he's done, physically change the arm angle, or they might not, but he can help them maybe a slight change that makes them better. Yeah, there's a, a, a tremendous amount of talent that goes into doing what he did, right? It can't just be like... You, I don't. There's, there's, I don't want to name any names here, but you couldn't take some pitcher and say, "Hey, make this little mechanical adjustment, and all of a sudden you're going to be a contender to pitch in the All Star game." I mean, he's got a tremendous base underneath him that he just had to somehow unlock that he what that he hadn't to that point. Well, absolutely, because you, you can't be drafted, uh, I believe, 16th in the nation, <laughs> throwing 100 miles an yeah, hour, obviously, game. without already having the base of being a future superstar. It was there. Something got off. Now you got the guy that's back to what everybody thought he could be. But you knew a ton of guys, right, that the talent was there, and they just weren't able to make it for whatever reason. Yeah, um, you know, mentally is the big thing. The physical part, most everybody that gets here to the big leagues physically can do this job. But how do you make the mental adjustment, little tweaks here and there to stay here or get better? That's You either have to have somebody see something and help you make the adjustments. It's hard to do it yourself. Um, uh, or you've got to just say, ah, oh, that's it. I'm going to experiment and keep experimenting until something works. Problem with that is, well, you have the time to experiment and be given the opportunity for it to work. Right. And so I, we got Evan Marshall coming up here, and he's been a guy that, and a, a, a ton of White Sox have been Triple uh, A big leagues, big leagues, Triple A, back up, and and you've got 
X amount of time to prove that you belong here. Like, I mean, right now, like Ryan, Ryan Cordell's got to feel like he's on the bubble, right? I mean, you're bad ninth. You're, you're not performing at the level that you want. At, at any point here, you could go, they could dip down and bring in somebody else. How, and then you're, you're out here. You got a lunatic on the mound who's a big league pitcher. You got your family perhaps in the stands or watching you on TV. You got now tonight, uh, hopefully the weather will clear up here, but you're going to have 35,000 people and you got to handle all that. Right. I, 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 how did you do it? You know what? When I, when I was at rock bottom and struggling as as a big league baseball player under the conditions, what you're what you're explaining, um, what you do is hopefully you have the ability to say to yourself, "What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to send me home. I have no job here anymore. Oh well, they're not going to line me up and shoot me against the wall. I mean, seriously, <laughs> right? I, I said that to myself. Yeah. You know what that does? It takes all the pressure off. And when you get to that point and you can relax because it's all been tension you've been putting on yourself. Your brain's not working right because you're thinking too much. You let it all go, and trust me, every time I was able to finally hit rock bottom that low, I came out of it and turned it around immediately. So that's a super rational. Like, they're not going to kill me. I Okay, I'll go to AAA. My life is still going to go on. But when you get in that box, like, it's it's not rational, right? I mean, there's there's just, I would just think there's, there's got to be, I don't know, there's a lot of pressure that you're feeling where, okay, whatever whatever you're saying, I can do this. Come on, bring it. Let's go. And I mean, I don't know if I'm going all Bull Durham here, Kevin Costner, but like, <laughs> come on, me, right? Let's let's go. And 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 then I, I guess maybe you can start to get some success. Then maybe you settle down even more. So here's the thing: yeah. you, you, when you do, when you are struggling and you feel maybe this is it, I'm out of here. I'm not going to be here. You've got to break it down. I always felt to the simplest form. Okay, get a base hit. And. The problem is guys are usually trying to do too much. You see young outfielders saying, I'm going to throw this guy out the plate. I can do it. I'm going to help my pitcher out. No, you're not. He's safe. Now the guy went to second base. The right decision is where can you catch the baseball in the outfield, look up and say, oh, I really legitimately have a chance to throw this guy out. He hasn't even hit third base yet. I've got the arm to throw him out. Keep the ball down, though. I can do this. Do you look up and you know that for 100% and your manager is going to be happy? Or do you look up and you go, it's going to be close? And if I don't get him, my manager's not going to be happy. What decision do you make? Well, the young players make the wrong one. Right. The smart players simplify and go, no, no, throw it to second base, keep the double play in order, don't allow him in scoring positions. Now, these are the things you have to break it down to the simple form, do the little tiny things right. When all that pressure's built up on you, just get a single. Think line drive up the middle. Simplify. Hitters, these guys have trained themselves to make contact. Make contact. That's all. If you're swinging for the fences, usually nothing good's going to happen. By the way, this advice works on uh, on the high school level, on the collegiate <laughs> level. Wherever you are, if you're struggling, right? Yeah. If it's little league, just hey get a base hit, a simple hit. Don't swing for the fences when you're struggling, because the odds are you're going to swing a hundred times and might once or twice actually run into it and hit a home run. All right, before you go, let's just a little bit on this team right now. We're 68 games in. You're sitting at 500. If they are you looking at this like, well, if they add the right pieces, then maybe this could be the surprise team of the year, or have you not gotten that far yet? Um, I, I'm kind of looking at it like this is a team from day to day can be really good, as we've seen, and then they can show up and make some bad plays that cost you a game. I need the consistency for me to sit there and say, this is a team, if they make a couple of tweaks here and there, can maybe make a wild card spot. But 
I, I need to see for about two straight weeks, maybe in a stretch of where you realize they're not trying to take the extra base when they shouldn't. They're throwing to the right bases and hitting the cutoff man. They're making the decisions the right way their manager would want them to make, not what they think is best, but what the manager wants of them. When we see them making those decisions, the smart decisions, not the emotional ones, then you go, yes, we're at the right place. we got a chance. What's, what's the best thing you think Ricky's done this year? Uh, I, 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 I think he's kept everything in the right perspective. I think he is looking at this team, and he is not jumping the gun thinking, wait a minute, we've, we're going somewhere. I think he's a great manager that goes day-to-day, play-to-play, and he doesn't over-evaluate. Yeah, he, I mean, you ask him about the record. You guys can talk about that. You can talk about the wild card. You can, uh, we're all about right now, today, yes. win, win a baseball game. Always good to talk to you, Darren Jackson. Appreciate you. Thanks, Carl. Quick timeout. Uh, Evan Marshall coming up at the bottom of the hour. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Love talking to DJ. Appreciate him taking time before the ball game today. White Sox and the Yankees coming up pregame a little bit after 5.30. And then the first pitch, 6.10 tonight. Sox going for three in a row over the Yanks. That's a beautiful thing. Ronaldo Lopez on the bump tonight. Let's see if he can back up his outing against the Royals on Sunday where he pitched well. Let's see if he can do it again tonight. Hey, take the family out to the ball game with a family four-pack. You get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, four chips. It's all for $49. That is a steal, and it's brought to you by Country Financial. Prepare for your financial future one simple step at a time at takesimplesteps.com. For tickets, visit whitesocks.com slash fourpacks today. All right, coming up after 4.30, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Evan Marshall, who's been dominant out of the White Sox bullpen in the setup role. Uh, he got hit by a line drive back in 2015 uh, that uh, nearly cost him his life. Uh, he's been able to come back from that. He's been able to uh, pitch in the big leagues and has been sent down and has processed all of it. Uh, he just talks openly about uh, his journey and what happened and uh, the success of the White Sox right now. So Evan is coming up after 4.30. Quick timeout. News is next, 720 WGN. 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly with you till 5.30 and Sox pregame. And then the White Sox and the Yankees. We had the Sox crawl going out today. There is raffle winners out here. People are just stopping by different concession stands, having a beer, having a hot dog. I love the Sox crawl. Very cool. A ton of people out here already uh, enjoying a rainy day, perhaps. It's not too bad out here. I think uh, I think we're going to have baseball but uh, there is uh, there is some water out on the field right now, so Roger Bossard's going to have to step it up once again. Four thirty-one. Evan Marshall, you'll, his story. I think you really enjoy the conversation coming up after the news. But let's get that news right now. Four thirty-one. Here's Bob Kessler. And Jimenez hits one in the air, deep right center field. Taking a look is Hicks. He'll jump at the fence, and that one is gone. Eloy Jimenez, his second home run of the homestand. And this is a big one. Three-run shot puts the White Sox up 3-1. to one. A big one indeed. Andy Mazur on the call last night. Doing the same today. Farmio is taking a little time. And, uh, yes, White Sox and Yankees coming up. And so good to see Eloy Jimenez connecting with baseball and doing it twice last night. Two three-run homers. 
As uh, White Sox Weekly continuing, we'll have a little bit more from Eloy coming up on White Sox pregame, uh, which starts at 5.30. But right now, let's, uh, let's bring in Evan Marshall. Evan Marshall is 2-0. and He's pitched in 16 games. He has thrown 16 in the third innings. He's given up nine hits in 16 in the third. A hit per inning is pretty decent. Nine and 16 in the thirds is excellent and beyond. He's given up one run. It was unearned. He's walked three, and opponents are hitting 167 against him as he has moved into that seventh, eighth inning role for Ricky Renteria's White Sox. Just doing a phenomenal job as he started the season with Triple A Charlotte. And as we bring Evan in, uh, just starting out with, if I had told you that you'd be having this level of success right now, just dominating, uh, and would be up with the big club with your Chicago White Sox, would you have believed it, Evan Marshall? The the not having given up a run part, that's hard to believe because, I mean, that's that's a part of baseball. Pitchers give up runs. It's just you know trying to manage that. Um, as far as getting called up, I would have believed them because I felt like I was throwing the ball so well at the time um, that that's this is where I felt like I deserved to be or where I should be, where I'd be most effective. Um, but, yeah, the uh, not allowing a run part is kind of a cherry on top. So when did you know in spring training that, hey, uh, okay, maybe I'm not getting a shot right now or you don't know what's going to happen, but then you didn't. But, hey, you know, when I do, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to do this uh, perhaps in a way that you hadn't been successful before. Um, honestly, in spring training, I was having a really good time there, too, and uh, they just kind of told me that uh, now wasn't really the right time, but that if I kept doing what I was doing, that I could uh, see myself in Chicago soon, and, and so I just sort of put my head down and, and went and went scoreless down in Charlotte and uh, found my way up here, and, and so, you know, it's, it's again, it's just had a nice to be here. So people may or may not know your journey. Let me just, Arizona... Seattle, Cleveland, and and now and now the White Sox. Uh, and and you you've told the story, but I guess you've not told it on Chicago radio. So let's 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 uh, let's go back to you. Start out your career with the Diamondbacks. Your fourth round pick, by the way, out of Kansas State, uh, which is a, a tremendous tremendous basketball facility. I've seen KU play there a bunch of times. Just for the record, just want to get that out there. But. Uh, you, your fourth round pick. You've you've got expectations at that point that you know I'm going to be a, be a major league. A lot of guys coming out of college they don't think that, but you you did. Right. Yeah. Um, Arizona was a, a great destination for me. I mean they they were progressive in the way they thought, and, and I I sort of hit the ground running so so fast uh, after the draft that they moved me up. You know, rookie ball high, double A all in the first year, and and double A and triple A in the years after, and right to the big leagues and. Um, I had an outstanding rookie year. Uh, I really did. I, I wasn't even sure what I was doing out there. I just went out there and did it. Um, uh, and then the next year, I came back just with a, a struggle in April, and uh, that got me sent down to the minors, and, and the minors where I found myself uh, um, all the way into August. And uh, August is when I got hit, and uh, you know that was that was a terrible experience. That uh, I just I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So let's go back to that. It's you. It's so hard, right, to get here, and then it's. Would you say even harder to stay here? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, raw talent-wise, I had a great year when I was a rookie. But the, the thing is, is, is 
teams hire people to spend hours analyzing you and finding little things that you do that they can key on, and that's kind of what I ran into were some things that I might have been doing that showed the type of pitch I was going to throw, and there were a few teams that had that. So I, even in 15, I still was throwing the ball very well. There were just a couple of teams in the NL West that had my number uh, because they sort of knew what was coming. So I threw well against everybody else, but not them. Uh, I figured that out later down the road. So that's the thing, right? You do, you don't even know what's going on. Like how are you might think? Do they know something? But chances are, like you're you're going to put it on yourself. Yeah, you know, you you'd like to think no, I'm I'm way too good to be getting hit like this. So they must know something about me. Um, but it was a combination of I wasn't pitching well and they knew what was coming uh, for those couple of teams. So. Uh, yeah, it is really hard to get to the big leagues. It's even harder to stay because once once you become an icon, once you become a guy, uh, people break you down to you know a level that you've never been broken down before, and they can expose some things uh, if there's something to be exposed. Yes, okay, so now we're in, we're in AAA. You're trying to fight your way out. Uh, you're, you're hoping, I guess, at that point it's August. You're hoping to be a September call-up. And there's two outs. It's was the eighth inning. Yeah, I believe it was. And and uh, a line drive comes back at you that you don't see. You try to get out of the way, but but you get hit. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to tell you I didn't see it, but I saw it the whole way. I still remember the spin and everything. I tried to get out of the way, duck behind my shoulder kind of, and it just uh, came right through uh, where I was vulnerable, and it, it smoked me. It was, uh, yeah, it was a, a blow to the system for sure. I mean, I, I couldn't. I was conscious, uh, it hurt a lot, and then I couldn't hear anything. All I could do was hear the ringing in my ears. Um, so uh, people were talking to me and moving their lips, and that's really all I could see was people moving their lips, and you know, I'm just kind of in a pile holding my, holding my head. And um, Eventually I sit up and I get to my feet, uh, and with some help from coaching, I, get to, uh, I walk off the field, I get to the dugout. Um, by the time I made it to the dugout, I was I was dry heaving. I was puking everywhere. Um, sort of just instant concussion symptoms. Internal bleeding already was going on. Um, and then uh, EMTs strapped me down, put me in the ambulance, and um, still puking that whole time. But then my memory goes black about uh, halfway of that first uh, her first hospital. Uh, and then there's about a 48-hour window where I where I don't remember a thing. Uh, so I'm told during the time, uh, the surgery was emergency right away. It was uh, life-saving. I had multiple skull fractures, uh, a ruptured artery, and a subdural hematoma all within the skull. So in order to take care of that, they have to drill holes in your skull to let the pressure and the fluid um, drain out. Um, so that's uh, that's something that sounds terrible. Um, uh, they flew, uh, the Diamondbacks put my wife on a plane and flew her straight to Texas because they weren't sure uh, if I was going to make it or not. Um, so they put her on a private jet. She had uh, uh, one of my teammates, one of my best friends, uh, his his current wife, his wife now, um, Rebecca Stites, got on the plane with her and our dog, Butterscotch. Uh and they flew um, so that uh, they could try to get there in time just in case anything you know went south. Um, so I'm in recovery. Everybody's there. I am slipping into a coma, which can happen after a traumatic brain injury. Um, 
So smelling salts, people talking to me, all this stuff wasn't working. Um, it's been, you know, a few hours post-op, uh, and they need to remove a drainage tube out of my um, out of my head. They need me to be awake or something like that. So they've, they've been trying and trying, and they, want, they don't want me to slip any further into a coma, so they're trying to get me to wake up. And, and um, so, you know, my manager at the time, Phil Nevin, who happens to be the third base coach for the Yankees, um, he's in there. Um, they bring my wife in, and then as a last-ditch effort, they bring in my wife with the dog. And the dog sits on my chest, uh, obviously gets excited to see me. He's only a few months old at the time. Um, and uh, I guess as the story's told, he just sort of takes both his paws and just pops me right in the chest. And uh, when that happened, uh, that's when my eyes started to flutter and then open up. And I can briefly remember just the faintest little image of uh, my wife and my dog right there and, and everybody crying, and, and uh, then it goes dark again. But I was awake, so... You know, I survived, uh, and then on about another four, yeah, like 48 hours later is the first thing I can remember in the hospital. So you, you've you told the story before numerous times, and so then we're going all the way back here to 2015, 2016. Uh, was 2016, am I right? 2015, okay. Uh, going, like, through it for however the umpteenth time going through it right now, uh, I'm just curious. Like, what, what what are the what are the feelings that come up? Do you just uh, just like is it something that you just tell and you don't even think about it? I mean, how, how do you, you know? I mean, I know you want to get away from it, but it's also a huge part of you. Yeah, you know, it still gives me butterflies in my stomach telling the story and and chokes me up every time. Um, and, and that's something you know I'm really proud of what I went through and and how I made it back. And and I don't want to ever lose that feeling. But ultimately, time has been the best healer for all this. And as I've as uh, you know, a few years have gone by, I've been able to distance myself from it a little bit and desensitize myself to the story just a little. Because at first, it was uh, it was just hard getting through the story to begin with. Um, but you know, the next step was getting back to uh, pitching, and that, that was a whole other challenge too. So okay, let's uh, let's take people through that. You get you were back up and with your teammates like three weeks later, right? And 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 you you're all of a sudden. Your mindset is, I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm a professional athlete. But there's also the reality of everything that happened that I think that maybe hit you on the back end. Yeah, you know, I, at first I didn't understand how serious it was um, when I was in the hospital in Texas. But, you know, my concussion was so bad. They got me out of bed to walk, and I couldn't walk. Um, they had to have a couple of linebacker-sized guys on each side of me just so I wouldn't topple over. Um so I bought into the process there, but I've, of course, being an athlete, I was going to do everything harder and come back faster and all the things you want to do. And um, I was transferred to Barrow Neurological Hospital in downtown Phoenix, which they're they're great, they're the best. And and so they they sort of saw my competitiveness. They turned a lot of my rehab into a game um for how i could get higher scores and competing to to get better in rehab and they held me to like a a 10 percent higher standard because i was an athlete and and you know they they really are what who and and what i have to be uh, thankful for for getting back so quickly and and i was you know about three or four weeks later, I was back at the field and chase, and, and I was there for a press conference and stuff, obviously, but it felt weird not getting to put a uniform on. But um, I got December off, and then I was back the following spring training. Uh, right around the time live BP started, I was getting pretty close to being ready to throw. 
Continue the conversation with White Sox reliever Evan Marshall, who has not given up an earned run in uh, 2019. Pretty amazing. Head to the ballpark for a dollar hot dog split doubleheader on Wednesday, July 3rd, as the Sox take on the Tigers at 110 and 710. It's brought to you by Securian Financial, who can help you make every moment count. Find out more at Securian.com. For tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash Dollar Dogs today. More with Evan Marshall coming on back here. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Conversation with Evan Marshall, sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Mark Carmen with you, White Sox Weekly. Evan Marshall, White Sox reliever, was hit uh, by a baseball, 105 miles an hour off the bat, coming back at him. This is back in 2015. And at this point in the conversation, we're talking about getting back from the concussion, but you, you still you got to be afraid, right, being back on the mound that another ball is uh, going to come your way and, and you, you might uh, end up injured again. Yeah, so so now or then it's the same thing. I'm still terrified of that, but... Um... At the time, it was all about physically getting ready, and I was physically back to throwing 94 and throwing all my pitches and doing everything like that. And I found myself back in the big leagues at the, later in April. Um, and, uh, you know, two innings, couple strikeouts, finished the game for us, and, and all was good there. And, you know, like I said, I, I started to roll a little bit. And then. Um, Adversity happens. I mean, that's baseball. Uh, people want to hit you just as bad as I want to get them out. And, and I um, found myself on the ropes for a while. And, and as soon as I had that challenge of having to overcome all the other stuff with my head injury, but then throw in uh, a couple of bad breaks and bounces not going my way, uh, I kind of just crumbled uh, in a sense that uh, physically I could do everything. I was back, but mentally I just couldn't handle the the – the freshness of the injury mixed with the the toughness of having to come back uh, and face major league hitters. Um, so ultimately, uh, as quickly as I was back physically, it's taken years for me to feel like I'm back mentally. In organizations now, like I, I think I know the White Sox have it, and I, I think maybe everybody in baseball has like a quote unquote mental skills coach or whatnot. But there's so much thrown at you. Like you're talking about bouncing balls, I. Made a great pitch. Two hopper. It's one inch to the left. It's it's in the shortstop's glove. And you're out of the inning. Otherwise, it's in left field. And now I'm in Triple A. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, being young still at the time and having all my options and everything, um, I found myself just going up and down and up and down and up and down. And and really, some of the times it was because I was the only one with options, which you're young and you don't understand that. Uh, and there were other times where I just physically and mentally was exhausted and I wasn't competing well out on the field um at the time i hated getting sent down but at looking back at it i i may not even have any business um being on a baseball field in general there just because i i couldn't i could throw a ball but i couldn't compete i couldn't walk my way through in a bat and be thinking about all these other things when realistically i was thinking about like i might you know if i throw this pitch right here what if he hits it at me i might be ready to duck you know that kind of thing so um, like I said, ultimately time has been the biggest healer uh, for me because now, now it's all about competing and, and knowing my strengths and the hitters, the hitters' strengths and weaknesses and how I can uh, sort of tiptoe my way through each at-bat. And you talk about time being the healer. 
and I, you've talked about how you still have nightmares of being out there and having it, and that's diminished. I mean, what would you say? Yeah, it was certainly worse uh, initially, but you can't control that stuff. They come and they go, um, and I just they happen, and I just remind myself how grateful I am and thankful I am to be here in general. Um, and and you know, with going all the way to the edge like that, it's kind of impossible not to change your outlook on life. And so I don't I don't really have too many bad days anymore. Do you uh, do you share your story with guys in the clubhouse? Uh, yeah, you know what. They've all, they all initially, some of them have heard about it. Some of them, you know, back when it happened, knew about it. Um, and then some of them had no idea. And it's ultimately my scar on the side of my head is the story or is the uh, the icebreaker there when you start talking about it. Um, so people want to know. And, and like I said, now with time having passed, it's a lot easier to open up and, and let everybody know what happened. Do you appreciate it when you get asked or do you, what would you say? Um you know, it, it is a part of who I am. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pitcher, I'm a father, I'm a husband. I'm also a traumatic brain injury survivor. So um, I I don't know if it's a compliment or not, but but being able to speak on um, each one of those aspects, I think, is uh, I'm pretty proud to be where I am. Well, it's not something that you accomplish by getting hit, but, but coming back from it and dealing with it every day. You can give yourself a pat on the back there. At least, I mean, that's I do. I mean, I would. Yeah. I mean, I don't want. I don't. It's hard to just be associated with. You know, he got hit in the head and now he's here. Because I'd like to just be, you know, the right-handed reliever for the Chicago White Sox. But um, flying under the radar is one of my strengths. But ultimately, that the the story adds to it. And and and, and now that I'm more comfortable with it, it, it it's a pretty cool story. It, it deserves to be told a time or two. Well, and. Let's just be honest. Uh, and and if you weren't sitting here on a seventeen inning streak, then then maybe people in a new city don't do the research. Well, who is this Evan Marshall guy who's who's who's, not, who's having a great run right now? Uh, but then when you do do well, people are well, well, who is he? And then that just becomes a part of it. And people want to know how you're doing on you know your success on the field, but they also want to find out about you. So it's a compliment, Evan, is what I'm getting to. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, Ultimately, you throw well, and uh, the spotlight's on you. And I'm throwing well, and the spotlight's on me, and that's destined to come out eventually. So, so tell me, you guys are back to 500. You're beating your, uh, you know, you got your former manager across the field. You're, you're beating the Yankees twice here. What's what's it like in the clubhouse right now? Um, the vibe's pretty great. I mean, you you play you're playing the Yankees. I mean, there's nothing quite like it. Um, you know, every pitcher gets a little boost of adrenaline. Every hitter wants to, you know, hit a homer. That's CC Sabathia we were facing last night. He's one of the best ever. Um, and we took care of them handedly last night. And, and and that just sort of a pat on everybody's back that you know that's the New York Yankees, and we we uh, tend to one win. You know, you know, win the first two games of the series. That lets you know you can do it against anybody. I mean, you know, the Red Sox, the Yankees, you know, all these powerhouse teams. Um, I think the Chicago White Sox are heading in that direction. And how do you just rewind it back a second? How do you handle like the, just the pressure of a of a standard day? You're going out to the bullpen. You, your name may or may not get called. Now the phone's ringing. Get Marshall up, and and you're a professional. That's what you do. But just to get yourself ready to okay, it's my turn right now. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be as present as possible and and, and get out. Yeah, I mean everything gets turned up a little bit because of of the adrenaline and who you're playing. But 
um, every day is pretty similar down there. Uh, go down there and go through your routine. Your, your, you know, right now I'm pitching in a roll, so I have an idea of what I'm going to throw, so I can go down there and start stretching and doing a routine um, for what's going to get me ready. You know, to throw in the sixth or seventh or eighth inning, you know, when we're winning and. Um, it's also nice being in the role that I am because it's a confidence boost. That's a positive role, and I'm happy to be there. And that sort of reinforces that that I belong here. My stuff can play at this level. Uh, uh, it's all these little things that just give you a little extra, little extra something. And um, yeah, to be able to go out there and do it against the Yankees, I mean, you look back at it and say, "Man, that's great. That's that's something you can tell your kid about." Evan, great to talk to you. Appreciate you sharing. Good luck tonight. Go get the Yankees again. Uh, thanks for having me. Evan Marshall, White Sox reliever with us here on White Sox Weekly. Appreciate him telling his story. Big fan. And uh, hopefully we'll see him in there tonight uh, in the 6th, 7th, 8th inning as the White Sox trying to be the Yankees for the third straight time. Quick timeout. We'll get you into news at 5 o'clock. Coming up after 5, we have our tribute to Lucas Giolito. We've been working on a nickname for Lucas. We've got a White Sox weekend review and a little bit of Yolmer Sanchez. That's all straight ahead on White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. At the wall, the 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. White Sox and the Yankees coming up a little over an hour from now. This is White Sox Weekly. My name is Mark Carmen. We're going to hear from Yolmer Sanchez in this half hour. We'll have our weekend review. But we must start with Lucas Giolito, who did it again last night. Lucas winning his eighth straight start, ninth decision in a row, six innings of work as uh, he becomes the first 10-game winner in all of baseball at 10-1. and one. Now listen to this. Lucas is the ninth pitcher in Sox history to begin a season 10-1, and one, the first since Chris Sale. Here's some other stats for you. He ranks among the American League leaders in every category, wins, opponents, OPS, ERA, Whip, which means walks and hits per innings pitched, which is something that is important in keeping base runners off the bases. So you do not allow runs. All of these are good things. He ranks sixth in the major leagues with a 2.22 ERA. He would become the first pitcher in major league history to make the all-star team the season after finishing with the worst ERA in the majors, which is what Lucas did last year. So uh, this run's been going on for a while now. And last week on White Sox Weekly, we attempted, uh, via your help, to come up with a proper nickname, a next-level nickname, if you will, for Lucas Giolito. And we're still working on this. We have not, uh, I've not yet discussed this with Lucas, but I just wanted to bring back from last week some of the great suggestions that we had in our Lucas Giolito, what should his nickname be going forward game. I think our, our pitchers should have a nickname. Like John Candelaria back in the day was called the Candyman. Uh-huh. You should call him, like, uh, Good Humor because Giolito sounds like gelato. And you think about it, he's giving the American League a brain freeze. I thought uh, the TV show The Rifleman with Chuck Connors, yeah. his character was Lucas McCain. Uh-huh. And he was six foot six, the exact size as Lucas Giolito. So The Rifleman. I really like the rifleman for him because the old school Sox fans are going to love that. I think the rifleman works, and that guy's going to be good for a long time. I'm thinking John Wayne, and you just say the Luke, and you get some him dressed as a cowboy on his shirt with like a couple of K strikeouts from the gun, and you just say the Luke. 
Hey, uh, yeah, I mean, Lucas, he's been lights out, and he's a great guy. So I would, I would introduce him as a gentleman. He's going to put that fastball up there, and he's going to throw that slow curve and that slider and that changeup. Boy, he's just a gentleman. How are you? So what do you think of geothermal? <laughs> because he's always heated up? Is that what you're going with, Jay? He's, he's, he's nuclear. He's a, he's nuclear Giolito. He can he can take down a whole country if he has to. Hey, thanks, thanks for the call. How about the stopper? You can never go wrong, and it's not old school, but you can never go wrong with Steve McQueen. So I got Bullet, and I've got Cool Hand Luke. All right, see, we're we're on our way here, team. Working on this nickname here for Lucas Giolito. I will take uh, text line suggestions uh, today. Three one two. 981-7200. We greatly appreciate your contribution to the Lucas Giolito. What is his nickname now that, I mean, uh, my favorite one so far, which came from the text line last week, is G Elite O. G Elite O. You tell me that t shirt doesn't sell outside guaranteed rate field slash inside guaranteed rate field? I'm always, you know, trying to campaign for the independent t-shirt salesman i i feel like that works g elite oh with a little image of, of a big lucas throwing the throwing the fastball something along those lines but uh hey another impressive performance last night which has been one of the biggest developments for the white Sox this year who come into tonight 34 and 34 third place uh in the division but sniffing around the wild card for sure and uh, giving it to the Yankees, which is just awesome to see. Uh, the Yanks have lost three in a row, and they'll try to make it four tonight as the White Sox trying to beat the Yankees for the third straight time. Hey, uh, learn from the pros this summer at White Sox Summer Camp that's starting at just $149. Kids as age 5 to 12 can register for a camp at any of the 30 locations. All participants get a White Sox hat, a T-shirt, four game tickets, and an exclusive look at Guaranteed Rate Field. Register today at whitesox.com slash play. Coming on back here, we'll do our week in review, and we will also hear from Yolmer Sanchez, the always entertaining Yolmer Sanchez, as White Sox Weekly continues on 720 WGN. All right. White Sox Weekly with Yolmer Sanchez, one of my favorite people to always talk to coming on up here. Reminder to come see your Chicago White Sox take on the Detroit Tigers on Wednesday, July 3rd at 7.10 p.m. All fans are invited to stay for a post-game fireworks show. That is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Bring your business home with the Village of Bedford Park and win big. Purchase tickets today by visiting whitesox.com or calling 866-SOX-GAME. So yesterday before the ball game, I'm kind of perusing the clubhouse as uh, that's what us reporters do and there's Yolmer Sanchez and he's playing on his phone and he's playing some card game so I just felt the urge to just walk up to him uh, because Yolmer's always accommodating and say what exactly are you playing over there Yolmer let's talk some baseball too I'm playing uh, space how would you say your card talents are what would you say I'm the best in card you play on the plane? Yes. You want to sit or you want me to stand up? I stand up. You st- standing up's fine. Sitting. I'm. I'm here with. I'm not. I yeah, know that's your seat. I, okay. I don't. I don't want to sit in your seat. Okay. Who do you do you play for money on the plane? Oh no, just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah. Why are you smiling? 
No, because you have a phone. <laughs> I mean, you guys are these are, these things are a lot. So hey, uh, the New York Yankees being out in that field last night, atmosphere in here. Did it did it feel like I don't know, not necessarily the playoffs, but just a lot of fun to be in at least. It's always uh, good to see our fans come to the ballpark, you know. And last couple, I think the last couple we've been uh, really a lot of people come to the ballpark. So that's, I mean, they 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 like to they, they like the way that we play and and we we got our wins at home. So that's 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 one thing that make our uh, feel good. Does it give you guys a boost when you? That energy in the park, I mean, you're professional, right? You're going to go out there and play hard regardless, but maybe there is a little extra. Yeah, I think, I think it feels good. Like, it feels good. We play, we, it's a lot of energy. You know, you know, uh, you want to see your, your friends come to ball and support you, and, uh, and you you want to perform good. So, feel good. But you have enough energy for the entire ballpark, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just me. I can play by myself. <laughs> the ideal crowd. If we could put forty thousand of you in the seats, oh my God. R- wouldn't that be amazing? Oh yeah, definitely. Really, really loud. It will be really, really loud and fun. You know. So you're uh, you're you guys are one game under Yomer, and you're you're two and a half gift, two and a half games back of the wild card. It's not bad. Oh, it's, it's not bad. We, we know that we we've been playing really good and. Uh, we have to keep the moment, you know, and uh, we, we know that we got the, the team to compete, and that's what we do, go out every night and and do our best. You feel some confidence building in here? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. The way we've been playing, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really fun to, to see our team go out and uh, go about business, and, you know, it, it's really nice, really nice. What do you think of, uh, what are you going to see from Lucas Giolito tonight? You know, just look at Lucas Giolito. Uh, he's been really amazing. I told him, uh, see his 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 stuff from second base, the the position that I play, is just amazing. I know, I know that every time that he's on the mound, he's gonna get a, a standing job, and he gonna he can go for distance, he can go uh, seven eight, and that's 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 what I think. You know, uh, I'm really confident when when he's on the mound. Do you see a big difference, like when if you guys do have a mound meeting with him this year versus last year? Like it seems like his focus is just dialed in even more. Yeah, you, you can see. It. You can see it during the game. You can see the result. You can see every time that he throw a pitch. Is uh, is uh, another Jelito, but uh, at the same time, that's the Jelito that I I I heard when he got traded that he gonna be a superstar. He gonna be, he can be a side gem. So that's that's no surprise for me because that's what is that's what we expect for him you know and that's what we that's what we what he's doing right now just dominate he's just having more fun could you, you do you see that definitely definitely you know when you do it when you do a, a good job you feel you feel more confident you feel free and you know it, it's good when you see a guy like that you know when when you see a guy uh, when they have to put everything in between those lines but uh, uh here in the clubhouse dugout uh, on the plane, uh, they have fun. That's that's really good, you know, because we have to have fun. But when, when it's time to to go and work, it's about business. I'll let you get back to spades. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, you 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 made me lose my hand. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's good to talk to Yolmer Sanchez. I love the balance that he talks about at the end there. Right? We need to have fun. We're here every single day for about eight months. 
Uh, and also, when it's time to actually play the game and be serious, let, let's dial it in. But I, I, it's just a, it's kind of enjoyable seeing a guy have the level of balance that Yomer has. Because when he's up there, that dude is a flat-out competitor. But he also can, you know, enjoy just being in the position of being a major league baseball player and not take every single moment to the end of the earth super seriously. I just, uh, I think he's a great guy that you want to have in your clubhouse and the White Sox certainly appreciate him. All right, let's do our weekend review. We go back to last Sunday. It's, uh, the White Sox, it's the Royals, it's Kansas City, and a man by the name of Aloy Jimenez with a deep bomb. There's a swing and a long one to center field. This is going to go for a home run. This is a mammoth shot to center. Over the fountain. That's his eighth. And the Sox lead 1-0. The ball disappeared between the fence and the waterfall way behind that. That ball was hit about 450. A giddy Ed Farmer, 471 feet, which uh, was the biggest bomb of the week. But there was some more coming here as we go through it. Two, uh, Monday night, Sox came home, lost to uh, the Nationals, game one of the series. That was an ugly one, 12-1. But then move along to Tuesday night, and uh, the Sox coming back in that one. And uh, that guy, Aloy, doing it again. Jimenez drives one in deep center field. Robles just turns and looks, and this one is way out of here. Up above the shrubbery in center field. Jimenez with his first at home. And it's a no-doubter. 5-2 White Sox. No doubter indeed, Andy Mazur on the call. That ball was, I'm just looking out at center field right now. That is a long way to hit a baseball. And uh, I can remember being on the concourse and Frank Thomas hitting some bombs where you're walking around in left field and all of a sudden you're getting hit by a baseball. Uh, that was, but this one was to almost, uh, you know, just to the left of center field. Enormous. All right, let's move along to Thursday. There was a day off on Wednesday and the Yankees come and calling. Game one of the series, Sox coming back to pick up a victory and uh, Leury Garcia with a tremendous at bat. Three balls and two strikes and the 3 2 to Lurie. Swing it a long one to right field. This has got a chance. Tagged. Bagged. Turn on the fireworks. Sox lead 5-4 to four on Garcia's fourth. Light it up. That was an 11-pitch at bat. The Sox coming back from 4-1 down. Tim Anderson, a huge three-run shot in that game as the Sox win game one of the series. And then Friday night, it was all Lucas Giolito and all Eloy Jimenez. Full count pitch. In the air, deep into center field. Hicks going back. He'll turn and watch, and this one is out of here. It's a two-homer game for Eloy Jimenez. And both have been three-run shots. Beautiful to see. 10-2 the final. 31,438 in attendance last night. That's the biggest crowd at home in quite some time. And uh, it looks like we're going to have even more than that uh, this evening, as uh, should update you. Rain has stopped at Guaranteed Rate right Field. It's getting a little bit lighter out here. The grounds crew is hanging around. The tarp is still on the field, but uh, I'm assuming that we're going to have baseball on time tonight. Ronaldo Lopez on the bump. 